Thank you, Mike, this morning for that prayer that leads us well into the passage we're looking at this morning. If you have a Bible available to you this morning, I'd like you to turn to the Gospel of John chapter 14, and we're going to be looking at verses 15 through 24. The Gospel of John chapter 14 and verses 15 through 24. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, there are Bibles in the chair, should be under some of the chairs in front of you if you need a Bible. If you're visiting with us this morning um, and you don't own a Bible, you are welcome to keep that Bible. We would love for uh, you to have that as a gift from us. If you're watching by live stream this morning and you don't have a Bible, you can easily follow along. Most of the verses will be on the screen for you so that you'll know where I am teaching and preaching from. I am preaching through the Gospel of John. If you're visiting with us this morning and we make our way uh, to the mid part of chapter 14, last week we looked at a very famous passage of Scripture in John chapter 14 in the first 14 verses where Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And Jesus said, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do, and he will do even greater works than I do. And we learned last week that in the context of John 14, Jesus is referring, the works that we will do is we will point people to believe in him. We will point people to the way no one comes to the Father except through him. The greatest work that we could ever do is to point people to the way, to point people to Jesus. And we will do even greater works in the sense that as we move on from the Gospel of John through the rest of the New Testament, there is this explosion of the Gospel to the nations. The Gentiles are included in the family of God. So it wasn't just confined to Jerusalem, Judea, and here we are today approaching our missions conference, and we have the great privilege and honor of being part of taking the gospel to the nations, to the very ends of the earth. In that sense, we will do even greater works than were done during the days of Jesus. Many millions more have and will believe. Now, I want you to remember the context of where we are at. Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples, with the 12, but Judas is gone. He has gone to be the betrayer to carry out his plan of betrayal. So Jesus is, at, is now with the 11. And all of this is happening the night before his crucifixion. He will be crucified on Friday, and this is Thursday night. John chapters 13 through 17 all take place on Thursday night in the upper room. And I just want you to remember that. So Jesus, after this, is going to be arrested. He's going to be crucified. He's going to rise from the dead. He's going to ascend to the right hand of the Father. And then he's going to send the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And from that point forward, the Holy Spirit will indwell every person who believes in him, and that brings us to the passage this morning. In verses 15 through 24 of chapter 14, we read, Jesus says, if you love me, 
you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Well, our first point this morning is loving the way. If you love Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, you will find your greatest joy in obeying him and delighting in him. So if you truly love Jesus, your greatest joy in this life, your greatest delight in this life will be keeping his commandments. In verse 15, we have the verse that really sets up the whole section. It is the most important verse in this section. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, Jesus is not saying here, if you love me, you better do what I tell you or you're going to be punished or you're going to endure my wrath. It's not that kind of a statement. It's not a husband saying to his wife, you know, honey, if you love me, you're going to have dinner ready for me every night when I come home for work. And if you don't, I'll know you don't love me. Or it's not a wife saying to her husband, Honey, you better do those chores I have for you around the house, and you better do them when I tell you to do them. And if you don't, I'll know. I'll know you don't love me. That's not what Jesus is saying here at all. It's not that kind of a statement. What he is saying is this. If you love me, if you believe with all your heart that I am the way, the only way to God, and that no one comes to the Father except through me, if you believe that, if you believe that I am the truth, that I am the revelation of God himself, I am the disclosure of God, and I am the disclosure of God's way of salvation, and if you believe that I am the life, if you believe that I am eternal life, that I am everlasting life, that I am resurrection life, a new life that can only be given to those who believe in me. If you believe that about me and you receive me as Savior and Lord, then your greatest delight, your greatest joy will be to keep my commandments. You will want to keep my commandments. You will voluntarily, joyfully keep my commandments if you truly love me. It won't be 
a hardship. It won't be something that you resent. You will want to keep my commandments. And then he says this, and, and if you love me, if you are, have displayed evidence of your love for me by keeping my commandments, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Whoa. We are at a very important moment in New Testament theology for the unveiling of the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. And it, Jesus is beginning to unwrap this and unfold this for us. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another paraclete, a helper, a guide. And this helper will be with you forever, forever. And notice he's called another helper. Our main helper is Jesus. And Jesus will always help us, even from heaven. But he's going to send another helper. And this helper will be with us forever. And so the question is, who's the helper? Tell us who the helper is. Verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. It's the Holy Spirit. Notice in your Bibles, it's a capital S. And the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. That is another name for the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, because the Holy Spirit always points us to God. The Holy Spirit always points us to Jesus, and the Holy Spirit always points us to the Word of God. Always, always, always. The Holy Spirit is the truth, guides us into the truth about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and he always is clarifying teaching us, guiding us, illuminating us as we read the Word of God, as we read the Bible. Now, only those who believe in Jesus receive the paraclete, the helper, the spirit of truth. People in the world who do not know Jesus do not have the Holy Spirit. Anyone who says to you, well, everybody has the Spirit of God, is, not, is lying to you. That is not true. Only those who believe in Jesus have the Holy Spirit is the evidence that they are truly his. And Jesus says, you know him, for he dwells with you. And notice, future tense, and will be in you. This is so important. You know him, disciples, because he's here right now. Wherever I go, the Holy Spirit is with me. But I want you to know this. He's going to live in you. There's coming a time very near to now where he's going to come and he's going to live in you. And of course, he's referring to Pentecost and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now think about how important this is at this particular moment. Although Jesus is about to leave, he promises all of his disciples, including us, he will not leave us as orphans. Jesus has told the disciples, and they are troubled. So he's had to tell them, let not your hearts be troubled. 
He has told them that he's going to leave. And where he's going, they cannot come. They will come later when they die and they go to heaven. But right now, he's leaving and where they are going, or where he is going, they cannot come. And that has caused a lot of anxiousness for them. They're troubled about this. And so he says in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Oh, how they needed to hear that. I will not be like a father and mother who die and leave you alone as orphans. I will come to you. And I want you to think of what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, in the greater context, I'm leaving, but I'm going to come to you. He's talking about the fact that when the Holy Spirit comes to indwell us, Jesus will live in us by means of the Holy Spirit. He's coming for them sooner than they think, but not in the way that they think. You know, sometimes we talk about the second coming of Jesus, and we think of it in two parts. We think of it as the rapture of the church when some will be taken up to meet the Lord in the air, and we think of the physical, visible second coming of Christ at the end of the tribulation where he'll set up his millennial kingdom. But some believe there are actually three comings. The first coming of Jesus after his resurrection and ascension was when he came back by means of the Holy Spirit to indwell us, which began at Pentecost. And he says to them, I will not leave you as orphans. Men, don't think that you're going to be on your own all by yourselves. No, I will come to you. Verse 19, yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. You're going to see me. Now we know that they will Im immediately after his resurrection, they will see him. But I believe he's talking more than that. You're going to see me. By means of the Holy Spirit indwelling in you, I will continue to be with you. And because I live, you also will live. I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again from the dead, and I will be alive, and those who believe in me will also be alive. And because you are alive, I will be with you. You will continue to know that I am present with you. Verse 20, in that day, notice, in that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. The key phrase there is, in that day. When Jesus rises from the dead and he ascends to the Father and he sends the Holy Spirit to come and to indwell every believer and to live in them by means of the Holy Spirit, then that day they will understand more than they have ever understood before. Their minds and hearts will be illuminated and those things that they are grappling with and struggling with at this point will become clear. We're going to spend more time on this next week, next Sunday morning. But the day is coming when that which is fuzzy is going to become much clearer, and they will understand better than they ever have that Jesus and the Father are one, that I am in the Father. They are not the same person. They are separate persons, but their desires are exactly the same. They are always in perfect unison and perfect harmony with one another. 
And you are going to be in me, he says. And I'm going to be in you. That relationship that I have with the Father, that intimacy, though you will not be part of the Trinity, it is an example. It is a pattern for how the Father and I will be with you. I will be in you and you will be in me. And the day is coming when you will understand that so much better. And in verse 21, he says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. He repeats that because he wants to clarify about whom he's talking. I'm talking about those who have my commandments and keep them and thereby give evidence that they love me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So if you love me and you give demonstration of your love for me by always keeping my commandments... Oh, the Father will love you. He will always love you. And I will love you and manifest myself to you. It means, by means of the Holy Spirit coming to live in you, by which means I will come to dwell in you. I will manifest myself to you. Folks, Jesus is saying, if you are one of those who love me, you will know that I am with you. You will always know. And you know what this morning? We just know. Wherever we go, whatever we do, we could go to any place in the world and we know that Jesus is right there with us. We just know that. We know he's with us right now. We know he's in this room. How do we know that? Because he manifests himself to us by means of the Holy Spirit. This is so important. No matter where we go, no matter what we do, no matter how alone we may feel, he's always right there with us because he manifests himself to those he loves and those who love him. Let me give you one example of this. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, the apostle Paul felt all alone. All alone. He says, Demas has deserted me. He says, Alexander the coppersmith has opposed me. Fiercely opposed me. And then Paul says this. He says, at one point, everyone abandoned me. Everyone abandoned me. He was all alone. But then he says this in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verses 17 and 18. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. What a great sentence. But after he says, everyone abandoned me. And, Lord, don't hold this against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. He said, even though I was all alone, the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. How did he know that? He knew because Jesus promised to manifest himself to those who love him. By the manifest presence of Jesus himself, Paul could say, the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. And you know what? Whenever you feel all alone, 
Whenever you feel like you don't have a friend in the world, you can say this, the Lord stood by me and strengthened me because he will. He said, I was rescued from the lion's mouth. Here the lion's mouth is a reference to the work of Satan, to those people who fiercely opposed Paul wherever he went. God rescued him. Then he says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. I know that because Jesus promised to manifest himself to me as one who loves him and keeps his commandments. So he says, I will come to you and I will love you and manifest myself to you. And that brings us to our second point, a question. Throughout the Gospel of John, chapters 13 and 14, we see the disciples struggling to grasp all that Jesus is telling them. Last week we saw that with Thomas and we saw that with Philip. We saw that in chapter 13, that even though he revealed who the betrayer was, not all of them understood who it was. They didn't understand it was Judas Iscariot. So they're still grappling. That day of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost has not yet come, and so there are things that still puzzle them. And in verse 22, it says, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? This is the only time in the New Testament that the name Judas, not Iscariot, is used. This was a Judas who was one of the twelve, but he was not Judas Iscariot. The other times he shows up in the New Testament, which is very rarely, only in the list of the twelve, he is known as Jude. He is also known as Thaddeus. But here he is referred to as Judas, not Iscariot. And he says, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Again, the disciples were seeing only with human eyes. They couldn't see clearly yet with their spiritual eyes. He's saying, Lord, if you're going to manifest yourself, and I believe Judas is thinking, man, he's going to do some great miracle or he's going to appear in some miraculous way. He said, if you're going to do that for us, why won't you do it for the whole world? They need to see what we see. He doesn't realize that what Jesus is talking about is not a physical manifestation, but a spiritual reality that will take place within them. And Jesus answered him, verse 23, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, remember what I just told you, Judas, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And Judas, here's what I mean we will come to him and make our home with him. Now this is a powerful little phrase. Jesus says for those who love him, who give evidence of that love by keeping his commandments, he says, notice, we will come to him. The Father and the Son will come to him and we will make our home with him. That's what I mean, Judas that I will manifest myself to you. Think about it. The Holy Spirit is going to come and indwell us. Jesus will live in us by means of the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus lives in us, the Father will always be with us. We will come 
and make our home with you. You talk about an awesome, comforting, and a little bit scary thought. The Father and the Son have come to make their home with you. Not someday, but right now. But right now. You, you, child of God, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the home now of the Father and the Son. I mean, these are majestic truths. And in verse 24, Jesus says, whatever is true, the opposite is also true. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. If someone doesn't keep the words of Christ, doesn't live according to his commandments, he can say, she can say, all they want that they love Jesus, they don't. If they're not willing to obey his commandments, they don't love him, they don't delight in him, they don't find their joy in him. And Jesus says, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Jesus has said throughout the Gospel of John, the Father gives me the words to speak. Whatever the Father teaches me, I teach you. Whatever he tells me, I tell you. We are so in harmony and unison that we're together on everything. But what he's really saying here is, the word you hear is God's word. The words you hear, they're all the words of God. The word you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These are the very words of God, so I want you to take them to heart, Jesus is saying. Now, I want to try to bring this all together this morning. I want us, this morning, I want us to be overwhelmed with the truth that when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to live in us, he promised to be with us everywhere we go and in everything we do. I want you this morning, I want me this morning to be overwhelmed with that truth that because of the promised Holy Spirit who has come to live in us, Jesus promises to be with us everywhere. Everywhere we go and in everything we do. Verse 16, And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever the end of verse 17 you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you verse 18 I will not leave you as orphans I will come to you the end of verse 20 21 and I will love him and manifest myself to him. The end of verse 23, we will come to him and make our home with him, with you, with you. I want you to know this morning that the presence of Jesus is very real. It's not just some theological or, philo or philosophical concept. The presence of Jesus is real. It is real in your individual life. It is real in our corporate life. Wherever you go, you can travel to the ends of the earth. He is always right there with you. And it is not just a concept. 
Jesus is right there with you. Physically, he is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Spiritually, he is with you everywhere. Everywhere. Because he lives within you. So think of it. Every day. By means of the Holy Spirit living in us. Jesus convicts us of our sin and our need to confess our sin. So that we stay in fellowship, sweet, joy-filled, wonderful fellowship with him every day by means of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus living in us, he gives us the assurance of our salvation. He assures us that we are his and he is ours. And we are assured of the salvation that is ours in him. Every day, by means of the Holy Spirit, Jesus blesses us with the peace that passes all understanding. Every day, by means of the Holy Spirit, Jesus comforts us. He gently guides us. And he opens our eyes to the truth of the Bible. As you sit reading the word of God in your devotions or in the Bible study or wherever it may be, And you say, I never saw that before. It is such a beautiful truth. That is such a comforting truth. It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus is right there with you. Take your Bible study so seriously. Because our Savior is always guiding us. When we humble ourselves and take in the word of God, he's right there. Guiding, directing, leading, illuminating our minds. Every day, every day by means of the Holy Spirit, Jesus gives us joy. We have the joy of the Lord because Jesus is our joy and he lives in us. By means of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is our ever-present help in time of need. It's always there. Always. And we are promised. If you know Christ as your Savior this morning, every single one of us are promised a very close and intimate friendship and fellowship with God the Father and God the Son. Let me say one more time. The Holy Spirit, at the time you believe, comes to indwell you. And by means of the indwelling Holy Spirit, Jesus comes to live in you. And wherever Jesus is, the Father is with you, always with you. So you can wake up in the morning and say, good morning, Father. And you can say, Father, help me. And you can say, Father, I need you right now. Father, I don't know what to do. Father, protect my children. Father, I have an important decision to make. Give me wisdom. You can pray that because he's always right there with you. In just a moment, we're going to sing how deep the Father's love is. How deep the Father's love for us. And it is. And it is. Because he's always with us. Because the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And by means of that Spirit, Jesus lives in us. And therefore, the Father is always with us. Let's pray.
Father, thank you for your deep and abiding love for us. Thank you for Jesus, the source of our salvation, the Savior who is always with us. And thank you. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Lord, we don't say that enough. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, our helper, who lives in us and will be in us forever. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.